0: Well, good evening, and we're so glad that you joined us tonight for a a, a Bible study uh, through the book of Acts. And uh, one of the things that you might notice is that my voice is a little bit strained. That's because we're in the middle of Vacation Bible School, and uh, I'm uh, so excited about what God is doing through Vacation Bible School we have already uh, a parent that we're going to baptize uh, on Sunday. And uh, want to encourage you to be in prayer for us tomorrow as we have that time of decision for our older children. So you be in prayer for us as we continue in Vacation Bible School. If you have your Bibles, turn uh, to Acts chapter 14. Uh, Acts chapter 14 is a continuation of this journey that Paul and Barnabas have been sent on uh, from uh, the church at Antioch. The church at Antioch uh, commissioned Barnabas and Saul, uh, Paul, and sent them out on mission. And what we discover here is that God opens doors for Barnabas and Paul to share the gospel with those that they encounter. It's not without its conflict. It's not without its trouble. Uh, we're going to see how Paul and Barnabas experience uh, opposition and persecution, uh, but they continue to walk through the open door that God had given them. Uh, in fact, that's kind of the message of Acts from this point forward. God opens doors. Um, for the gospel to advance. And God has opened doors for our church and he continues to open doors. Even in the midst of COVID, God opened doors for our church. Led uh, through our media ministry team, uh, led by Steve Harper, we were able to present the gospel uh, across uh, the span of the seven cities of Hampton Roads and even around the world. Uh, He continues to open doors for the gospel to be proclaimed. As we look at our gathering, at at our family of faith called First Norfolk, we're scattered throughout the seven cities of Hampton Roads, and every encounter that you have as you're scattered throughout the seven cities of Hampton Roads is an open door that God gives this church to share the life-changing, soul-shaping, satisfying good news of God's rescuing love. So I want all of us to consider the open door that God gives us as we go into our world. Uh, Another aspect of that open door is what we call scattered church. This is where we're developing uh, individuals who will uh, help Uh, lead congregations scattered throughout the seven cities of Hampton Roads, First Norfolk, meeting in homes and in community centers and businesses and living rooms where we can share the good news of God's rescuing love and develop followers of Jesus who uh, share that good news and grow up to help others share that good news. We are a church on mission, longing to live out the gospel in our everyday lives. And so as we look at Acts chapter 14, we see Paul and Barnabas living out the gospel in their everyday lives as they encounter people in the different cities that they uh, journey through. Uh, Now, as we look in Acts chapter 14... Uh, we see that, uh, that Paul and Barnabas have left Antioch Pisidia, which is uh, a different city than Antioch in Acts chapter 11. In Acts, uh, uh, in Acts chapter 13, uh, they come to Antioch Pisidia. Paul preaches uh, the gospel there and then uh, experience persecution and then they leave. In Acts chapter 13, 14, they go on a journey from uh, Iconia to Lystra to Derbe, and then uh, back through the places that they had already visited, sharing the gospel. Uh, As they come back to Antioch in Syria, uh, they give a report. And I want you to look at verse 27. It says, now when they had come and gathered the church together. That's the church at Antioch who had sent them out. They reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. We see the theme of the gospel saturating the mission and the lifestyle of the church, uh, propelling Paul and Barnabas and their missionary team on this first missionary journey uh, where they go uh, to Crete and uh, meet a guy named Sergius Paulus, and, and he is rescued by God's rescuing love. They go to Antioch, Pisidia, uh, where they preach the gospel, and many come to faith in Christ. And now they leave Antioch, Pisidia, and they make their way <clears throat> to Iconium. And as they go to Iconium, we learn that God opens the door uh, to share the good news. With others that, that is so important for you and for me to get hold of. God opens the door uh, He gives us an opportunity to share the gospel with someone who is far from God, someone who doesn 't know God, someone who may be religious but is uh, uh, separated from God still by their sin it 's kind of what 's happening in vacation Bible school or every time we gather as a church we uh, gather together knowing that there are people who gather with us who are not yet followers of Christ, who are still living uh, an empty life separated from God by their sin. And so we take that opportunity to present the gospel. Uh, that's what happened in Iconium. Uh, as Paul and Barnabas did in Antioch, Pisidia, Paul and Barnabas enter the city of Iconium, and they go to uh, the synagogue there. And as they enter the synagogue, they preach the gospel. Uh, And a great multitude believe. A great many of the people there at at Iconium in the synagogue, uh, many Jewish people as well as non-Jewish people, God-fearers and uh, proselytes, They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ presented so that the Messiah has come. Jesus is the Messiah who sets right a broken heart. And Jesus has come to provide forgiveness for sinners uh, like you and me. And Paul declares that Jesus is that Messiah who has come to rescue sinners like them. And in the midst of that gospel presentation, the presentation of Jesus dying on a cross for sinners uh, in the place of sinners for their sin to bring forgiveness their way from the, uh, fr- uh, uh, before the throne of God. As Paul presents Jesus raised from the dead, victorious king, people who hear that gospel message believe. And as they believe, Uh, this great multitude of Jewish people as well as Gentile people uh, begin to experience the life-changing, soul-shaping, satisfying relationship with God that they've always longed to have. Then we hear that there are some uh, uh, jealous religionists who decide that that's not a good thing. In uh, verse 2, it says that unbelieving Jews were committed to stamping out this movement. We've seen this before, especially in Jerusalem in the early days of the Jerusalem church. Uh, If you remember, the Sanhedrin was adamant that uh, Peter and John no longer proclaim Jesus as the Messiah raised from the dead. Uh, they, they said, no longer speak in his name. And Peter and John responded, we don't know what you want to say. We've just got to uh, declare what we've seen and heard. There's no other name under heaven by which anyone can be saved other than Jesus. And, and so they went out proclaiming Jesus. We see it in Stephen in Acts chapter 6, uh, 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 six and 7, where P, uh, Stephen uh, proclaims the gospel uh, to the Jewish Audience, The jealous religionists are seeking to stamp out this movement. And Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to proclaim the good news of God's rescuing love, painting the picture of God's activity in the, uh, for the children of Israel from the exodus uh, to Jesus. And, and then uh, the, the jealous religionists decide they're going to kill Stephen, again, trying to stamp out this movement, proclaiming, The gospel. In the same way as a church in the 21st century, we're going to face those moments in time when uh, our commitment to share there is no other salvation under heaven, no other name by which anyone can be saved under heaven other than the name of Jesus. We're going to face opposition. Jealous religionists are not going to enjoy, like, appreciate, or even accept the good news. But we must be faithful even as Barnabas and Paul were faithful. The season was challenging, but the missionary team kept focused. They continued to be there in verse 3. It says that, that they became even more bold to proclaim the gospel uh, with, uh, and, and to build up the believers there in the church at Iconium. And so as they began to preach the word with boldness and even greater boldness, God uh, moved with power uh, there in that city. And, and he did great signs and wonders among the people, proving that the gospel that Paul and Barnabas were preaching was absolutely true. In verse three, it says that the, uh, verse four it says that the, the city was divided. The message of God's grace does that sometimes. Uh, Where the many of Jews and Greeks believed, uh, verse 4, it says that there was a multitude uh, that didn't believe. Uh, Friends, we've got good news to share, and, and, and the Lord God opens doors like he did there in Iconium for us to share the good news. What we must be committed to do, what you and I must be committed to do, is to share. Uh, regardless of the acceptance of people, regardless of, of uh, their uh, 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 excitement or antagonism, you and I have to be committed to share the gospel. Uh, in the glorious grace of God's rescuing love and, and, and providing a way for sinners to enter into his family, Uh, We have a message of hope that we must share with everyone we encounter. And, And when we share that message of hope, there will be people who are saved. And there will be people who refuse the good news. You know, sometimes people simply refuse the good news. They reject outright who Jesus is. They refuse to believe that God has provided salvation only in Christ. Uh, they refuse the good news and they limp along in the rest of their life, dead inside, longing for hope that they've rejected. We must be faithful. Uh, when I was learning about uh, sharing my faith, even as a teenager, there was a training time that I went through and, and one of the phrases that they would say is that you and I are called to share the good news of Jesus with whomever God puts in our path, and leave the results up to God. We can't change someone's mind uh, with the rhetoric of our words or the neatness of our illustrations. It takes the Holy Spirit of God to create a new heart in those who would be saved. And so uh, our challenge is to walk through the open doors that God gives. I wonder how many of us go about our every day and we see people, do we see them as an open door that God puts in our path? Let's walk through the open door and share the good news. Well, Paul and the missionary team, uh, verse seven, it says that they flee from Iconium because there's a threat against their life. And Paul and Barnabas leave Iconium and they go to Lystra. And verse 7 says, and they were there in Lystra preaching the good news. Isn't it amazing that even though they received, they experienced opposition in Iconium, they went on their way walking through open doors that God had made available to them and they share the good news. They preach the gospel there. You and I need to see every avenue we walk as an opportunity, an open door to share the gospel. And so God opens doors to share the gospel. Secondly, as they make their way to Lystra, we see that God opens the door uh, to share the gospel with those who are far from God. Now, what I mean by this um, uh, in Lystra, they're described as, uh, Lystra is described by some as a backwater community uh, filled with superstition, especially when it comes to the god of Zeus and uh, his companion Hermes. And they were superstitious. They were, uh, they were uneducated. Uh, Lystra was known in, in, in my vernacular as a hillbilly town. Uh, and uh, in my family I I understand hillbilly towns I I have family from there and I'm my roots are there not great people salt of the earth people but uh, they're uneducated Lystra was kind of uneducated and they were always looking for this for the supernatural to happen now that's not bad that's good especially when it comes to sharing the gospel but here's the challenge Paul and Barnabas enter the town and and They have an opportunity, an open door uh, to share the gospel because God did a mighty work uh, uh, in that town with a man who was crippled from birth. I want you to hear the story. Uh, they, they, in, in, in beginning of verse 8, it talks about how Paul and Barnabas enter into Lystra, and as they walk in there's a guy who had been lame from birth similar to the guy that we find in the Solomon's portico in Acts chapter 3 and in the same way that Peter said to that man in Acts chapter 3 "Silver and gold have I none but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk." Paul looked intently at this crippled man and he said look at me and the man looked at him and Paul perceived that this man had faith to be healed and and so Paul uh, bring uh, the power of God uh, through Paul brings healing to that man and people freaked out they were absolutely astonished Unlike Iconium or Antioch, Pisidia, however, this town appears to have no synagogue, no Jewish influence. So here are people steeped in Hellenistic religion, a Greek religion, and, and they are consumed with that kind of, uh, of superstition, the, the gods of the pantheon. Um, celebrated at the Parthenon, they, they were they were longing for a revisitation of Zeus. They had temples to Zeus and Hermes, and statues to Zeus and Hermes in their town. And so when Paul and Barnabas. Uh, are the instruments through which God brings healing to this crippled man. The crowd freaks out and says, this is Zeus. They point to Barnabas because he's the older guy. And this is Hermes. That's Paul. He's the younger guy. And they begin to worship them. Now pick up the story, uh, verse uh, 15. Paul and Barnabas... uh, Enter into the crowd that's trying to worship. They rip their, uh, they uh, tear at their clothes, and they, they. Uh, Paul gives a speech that is a precursor to evangelism for those people who don't have a lot of biblical understanding or any at all. Who don't understand who Jesus is. They see God as a great God upstairs, the great man in the sky, but they don't have a biblical foundation in life. Here's what Paul says, verse 15. Men, why are you doing these things, he says. We also are men with the same nature as you. And we preach to you that you should, here it is, turn from these useless things and turn toward the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Now, if I can just kind of paint a picture of how we live and the 21st century. We live in a time where uh, there is an increasing number of people that we encounter who have no biblical foundation. They don't know the stories of, of the Bible unless they see it on TV. They, they have no foundation for who God is. They don't really see Jesus as anything more than just some moral teacher. They, 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 they don't have the, the, the foundations of Scripture. And and, and and so we're speaking to a what, what many would consider a post-Christian world in in, in our neighbors and our friends they're they're post-Christian or or maybe even pre-Christian they just don't have a concept of God and 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 uh, and, and how He operates well that's the community to whom. Paul and Barnabas were speaking there in Lystra. They are far from God. They, they don't have a biblical foundation like they had in, in Iconium there in the synagogue. At least in the synagogue, there was a biblical foundation, the Jewish faith. Here in Lystra, there's no biblical foundation. And so uh, Paul doesn't begin as he did in Antioch Pisidia or, or, or as, he, uh, as Peter did in, in Acts chapter 2 at the Sermon of Pentecost or Acts chapter 3 there in Solomon's portico. They, they don't begin with Jesus as Messiah. They go back and try to find common ground uh, with people who don't know who, who God is. Now, that common ground is what we need to look for. As we encounter people who are far from God, people who have no concept concept of God or biblical foundation, we need to begin with common ground. So what does Paul do? He begins with emptiness. He says, it's time for you to turn from these useless things. That term useless uh, is a term that means empty, illusion, fake, not true. And that's what Paul leans into. He says, All right, you have given your allegiance to an empty idol, to an illusion for living. And that empty idol, that illusion for living, is allegiance to a make believe God. Now, here's what we believe and what we know to be true in our own experience and and what we believe in the experiences of others. Without a relationship with the living God, without knowing him personally, all we have is emptiness in life. So when we're talking to people who are far from God, our neighbors and our friends, we walk through that open door that God has given us. And that open door is speaking to the emptiness of their life. When we speak to them, they're they're longing for satisfaction. They're looking for something. You hear it in the songs that are so prominent in popular culture. In every age, we're looking for something to satisfy the longing of our soul. And so Paul begins with that common ground. He says, you have been chasing an empty idol, an empty useless thing that can't give you the satisfaction that you long to know. So as we're talking to people, we need to talk to them about the emptiness of their life. Are you looking for satisfaction? Do you, do you feel broken inside? Is there, uh, do you feel like there's something missing in you? We speak to their emptiness. Maybe we identify with their e- emptiness by talking about our own emptiness. Before uh, I came to know Christ, I was, I was a religious person, and, and I was a Baptist person, uh, but I was separated from God by my sin, and, and there was a big black hole inside of me that I couldn't fill, an emptiness. So what Paul does, he says, all right, here's our common ground, emptiness, because we're separated from God by our sin. And he says, It's time, I'm here to tell you, give you good news that you can turn away from the emptiness and turn toward satisfaction found in the living God, in knowing God Himself. That's that's the message. We want to move people from emptiness and see that satisfaction comes in living God in relationship with God. This past Sunday, I said, if you don't have a relationship with God, you will never be happy. You will never find joy. That's what I'm talking about. Turn from emptiness, turn Toward a relationship with the living God, and and that bridges the distance because the only way to have a relationship with the living God is by repenting our sin, placing our faith in Jesus as the payment price for our sin, as He died in our place upon a cross, His resurrection giving us a brand new life when we give Him all that we are. That transaction of God's great grace provided through Jesus satisfies our soul completely because now. We are no longer distant from God, but now we're part of his family. Jesus has taken us and led us across the cross upon which he died into God's family. We're forgiven fully for our sin, and the useless things that we were chasing after no longer are the prominent themes of our life. Now, the prominent theme of our life is a relationship with the living God. You know, we begin with that common ground of emptiness, and we uh, point people to God. Now, some may object, well, how do I know that the living God is good? Again, we go to the common ground. Uh, Paul goes on, and he says, not only is this God the God who, uh, uh, who is living He's not dead, he's not a make-believe God, he's a living God. This is the God who uh, has given us good things, rain for our crops. You know this God to be good because of the common ground of common grace. Now when we talk to people who are far from God without uh, any real sense of who God is and no biblical foundation, uh, we need to point them uh, to the common grace that God provides, the, the, the moments of happiness in a good meal, uh, the provision of a job, uh, things that seem so simple and yet they're gifts from God by his grace in a common way toward all humanity. As we look at this passage, we see that Paul wants people to see that God is the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are in them who in bygone generations allowed nations to walk in their own ways. But now, he didn't leave himself without a witness, he did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful season filling our hearts. When we point people to, to God, the living God, we bridge that distance by saying, all right, here's how you get to the living God. It's through Jesus Christ. It's at this point that the message of Jesus becomes prominent as we're talking to people who are far from God. Well, at the record here at Acts 14, Paul doesn't get to Jesus because these jealous religionists from, uh, from Iconium And Antioch-Pisidia, they make their way down to Lystra, and uh, it it gives the appearance that as Paul is preaching that people, these jealous religionists, uh, stir up a stink against Paul. Uh, So much so that uh, the people of Lystra uh, take Paul and they stone him and drag him out to the city, uh, edge of the city and leave him for dead. Paul was not dead. God miraculously provided uh, for Paul to uh, not be killed by the stoning. It's it's an amazing thing that even the suffering that Paul was going to endure uh, was the fulfillment of what uh, uh, Jesus told uh, uh, Paul and uh, Ananias in Acts chapter 9 that Paul would suffer many things. This is one of those things. If you want a list of the other sufferings, uh, you'll find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 25, he talks about this stoning in Ly- Lystra. And so Paul is is uh, left for dead, dragged outside the city. The, the believers there in Lystra, those who came to faith in Christ in Lystra because the preaching of of, of Paul and Barnabas, uh, they gather around uh, Paul, his 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 beaten body, and they 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 encircle him uh, because they believe perhaps he's alive. And sure enough, uh, Paul gets up from being stoned and and he goes with Barnabas the next day to Derby. You know what he went to do? He went to Derby to share the gospel. Paul left Antioch, Pisidia, where there was opposition, and he went to Iconium to share the gospel. He left Iconium, where there was opposition, and he went to Lystra to share the gospel. He goes to uh, uh, Lystra, and he shares the gospel. He leaves Lystra after being beaten half to death, and he makes his way to Derby. you know, to share the gospel. Do you see how Paul is continually and the missionary team continually walking through doors that are open to him, even in the face of hostility? So he goes to Derby and he preaches the gospel and many of the people who hear the gospel are rescued by God's grace again. Again, let's just think about it. Is there someone in your life, someone that you work with, someone that you... uh, uh, play golf with or uh, shop with or someone that you uh, encounter on a daily basis at school or um, someone that that is in your neighborhood or, or your neighbors is there someone that you're not sure if they have a relationship with God isn't that possibly an open door for you today to share the gospel even if they're far from God Or if they have religious background, regardless of their status or situation, God opens the door to share the gospel. Will you embrace that open door? Will you walk through it and share the gospel? The result is a multitude will be saved. A multitude will be saved. So that leads us to part three of chapter 14. Part three, which begins in verse 21. Tells us that God opens doors to build gospel focused churches. Now, this gets to uh, who we are as a church, our family you know our family is committed to planting churches going into communities in the lower 48 or uh, alaska we're talking with hawaii right now uh, globally uh, places like philippines or malawi or india we're we're planting churches in canada and and northern virginia and uh, africa and uh, in in vietnam we're we're committed uh, to to plant churches. Now what Paul does, Paul and Barnabas, and what Luke records, beginning in verse 21, is how that we are faithful in planting churches. It, it involves going to those places and sharing the gospel. We have an unreached people group as a church that we adopted, uh, I guess, about seven years ago. And there, what an unreached people group, unreached, unengaged, it means that these are people who have never heard the gospel people like those who are living in Lystra. And we adopted them five or seven years ago, something like that. And, and we would send teams to that people group. And they would go to a village and they would share the gospel. And, and uh, several years ago, our first per, the first person to respond to the gospel, we celebrated. And then another, we celebrated. Our goal is to plant a church there among a community of believers. Uh, we see what's happening in, in, uh, at La Chapelle. They baptized 13 people this past week. Um, and, and they've been closed, and they're still closed in Canada and in Montreal, La Chapelle. But God is using that church planting movement to, to see people come to faith in Christ, and so we, we believe strongly in church planning. It's what Scattered Church really is. Scattered Church is where we're going into different communities in the seven cities of Hampton Roads. And you're going to different communities in seven cities of Hampton Roads where you live, work, and play. And, and we're going to build, uh, uh, establish places where our church will gather there so that the gospel will be proclaimed what we see in in verse twenty one and following is how that the church planting movement is established uh, after the conversion of believers uh, so uh, look in verse twenty one uh, as we as we look before we look there, let me just tell you where uh, Derby was the easternmost part of of the missionary journey, but it would have been uh, Uh, common sense for Paul and Barnabas and the team to continue further eastward, go through the Taurus Mountains, on into Tarsus, Paul's hometown, and then on into Antioch of Syria. That would have been the natural uh, pathway, passing through the Cilician Gates uh, into Tarsus, and then on to Antioch of Syria. Instead, Paul and Barnabas had a commitment to walk through the open door of these new believers that they had seen established. And they retrace their steps and they visit these new communities of faith. Each one were places where they had experienced hostility before, but they returned to those places uh, so that they might establish build gospel focused churches look at verse 21 and 22 and when they being paul and barnabas had preached the gospel to that city and many and made many disciples they returned to lystra iconium and antioch pisidia strengthening the souls of the disciples exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of god so what do they do they go back to the churches that were established when they were sharing the gospel, these communities of believers, and and they do uh, basically two things. First, they disciple, uh, just like it was in Derby, they made many disciples. That's a picture of training and. Teaching beyond evangelizing and strengthening there as they go back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch Pisidia. That strengthening is a picture of discipling, uh, where they come into those communities and they train and they teach the the, the council of God found in the Word of God, so that the people might adopt the the pathways of God and live uh, of uh, faithful to Him. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples. That that's the inner person. They're 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 entering into those communities where people are rescued by God's grace and they're discipling them. It's what we saw in Acts chapter verse 42 when when the uh, explosion of conversions happened in Jerusalem there at Pentecost and 3,000 come to faith in Christ Acts 2 42 they were baptized in verse 41 verse 42 it says that they being these 3,000 new believers continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine that's scripture they they committed themselves to teaching and training the the will of God through the word of God to the people of God empowered by the spirit of God. God. And that's, that's what we're to do as, as we enter into these different communities in the seven cities of Hampton Roads or in Montreal or Northern Virginia or, or uh, Malawi or India or the unreached people group. We go and we share the gospel and then we are committed to discipling Uh, to to strengthening them. And in part of that strengthening, we're declaring, yes, there'll be a day when you will experience persecution, suffering, difficulty, uh, because you're a follower of Christ. But you need to keep the faith. You need to hold tight to the faith. And that's not uh, a fear of falling off or out of faith, but rather it is the fear that that the tribulations will distract you from the faith which strengthens you. Well, We need to uh, help one another every time we gather together. Discipleship is part of what your life groups are about. It's it's where we're discipling, living life together, where we're growing in the things of God and the knowledge of God uh, as we grow in our inner person before the uh, uh, before our living God. We, we want to know what God wants and we're empowered by the spirit of God to see it through God's word and to live it uh, every single day. So we need to disciple. There is no good church planting strategy that uh, does not include discipleship. Uh, making disciples. Uh, It's written in the purpose of our church. We exist to glorify God by winning and leading all the people within our reach to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. There's winning, evangelizing, and leading uh, to be fully devoted followers of Christ. That's discipling, strengthening uh, those new believers, even in the face of suffering. The second thing we see in our church planting strategy is organizing. Organizing. Uh, as you look in verse twenty three and following it says that Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. these are lay leaders like like these uh, men that were uh, developing right now to lead the scattered churches uh, throughout the seven cities of Hampton Roads. We're, we're appointing these men to be lay elders within the church where they will shepherd these new believers and, and, de- and nourish the souls of the new believers by devoting themselves to the Word of God and declaring the Word of God to others and, and helping others live by the power of the Spirit through the Word of God. So, so it's organizing. It's organizing. And so we commit ourselves to, to discipling and to organizing. As Paul and Barnabas leave the, the, uh, those uh, churches, they go on to Pamphylia uh, and uh, they share the gospel again, sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel, walking through open doors, sharing the gospel. Uh, and, and then they finally get back to Antioch of Syria and they give a report of what God had done and the whole church rejoices because God had opened the door of faith even to the Gentiles. As we leave today, as we close today, I just want to encourage you, have you walked through that open door? Are you you involved in sharing the gospel with those who have a church background? Are you involved and committed to sharing the gospel with those without a church background? Are you involved and committed to uh, be part of our family in establishing and building gospel-focused focused churches through discipleship and, uh, and, and, and pursuing uh, this organization that God has established here at this church. Guys, listen, church, this church is plan A and there is no plan B that God has to reach the world with his rescuing love. But it demands that you and I walk through open doors that he's given us. Who is your one? And will you share the gospel with them this week? May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he bless your coming in and your going out. May he fill your life with purpose as we fulfill our call. God bless you. Good night.